There are hundreds of observability companies out there, and many ways to think about observability, such as application performance monitoring, server monitoring, and tracing. In a production application, multiple tools are often needed to get proper visibility on the application. This creates some challenges. Applications can produce lots of different observability data, but how should the data be routed to the various downstream tools? In addition, how can the data be selectively sent to different storage tiers to minimize costs? Calyptia is a service that helps manage observability data from source to destination. Eduardo Silva is the founder and CEO of Calyptia, and he joins us in this episode. This episode is hosted by Lee Acheson. Lee Acheson is a software architect, author, and thought leader on cloud computing and application modernization. His best-selling book, Architecting for Scale is an essential resource for technical teams looking to maintain high availability and manage risk in their cloud environments. Lee is the host of his podcast, Modern Digital Business, produced for people looking to build and grow their digital business. Listen at mdb.fm. Follow Lee at softwarearchitectureinsights.com and see all his content at leeatchison.com. Eduardo, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hey, Lee. Thank you for the invite. I'm really happy to be here. I'm glad you're here. First of all, is it Kleptia or Kleptia? How is it pronounced? We pronounce the company name as Kaliptia. 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 Okay, so that was actually closer the first time than either of the other times. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's always a struggle of mine, right, is to figure yeah. out how to pronounce some of these and some people's names too. But So are you an observability company or do you work with observability companies or both? How would you describe yourself? Okay, I would describe Caliptia as both, as an observability and a security company that sits in the middle to move and transform or reduce data between sources and destinations. So you play in both the observability space and the security space is the idea. Yeah. Actually, if you abstract for what it means to play with data, right, we are very agnostic. And when we say it about security and observability, there are different type of outcomes, right, or data value extraction that you have for different type of users. But all of them comes from the same data. Yeah, the data is the same. It's just different use cases for the data. Yes, different solutions, different use cases, and different needs around them, right? Right, right. Yeah, so data that's critical for one use case is not necessarily critical for another, but something else is is in its place. That makes sense. How do you compare yourself? Let's look at first observability companies specifically. So let's talk about companies like, let's say, Datadog or New Relic. How do you compare to them? You're... You're not a traditional observability company, or for that matter, a traditional security company. Where do you fit in that niche? Yeah, that's a really good question. Actually, everybody who understands something for observability is a description that has been set by the biggest players, like Splunk, a Datadog, or others. Like observability is my platform where you send all the data and I provide you the right tooling for analysis, insights, and everything you might need for security, for observability, or any other type of case. Now, when you think about what the user is trying to accomplish, at the end of the day, they just want to analyze data, get insights. 
right? And when they take the decision, they go one step back and say, how, right? And how means, oh, I might need to centralize all the data in one platform that has all the capabilities to extract and run analysis or reduce my data or do some kind of math around it. And then you start thinking about Splunk, you have to start thinking about Datadog or Elastic OpenSearch or any other major player. But where we sit, Calitia, right? Calitia is a company that specializes on collecting, extracting data from multiple sources, multiple destinations, and integrates them with Splunk, with Datadog, with OpenSearch, with Elastic, Amazon S3. We have more than 100 connections between sources and destinations. So while we don't replace Splunk, we don't replace Datadog, actually we provide a better experience for users that are relies on this platform. So we are very, very agnostic from the backend place. We call it backends, means where we're sending the data for analysis. So we sit in the middle. Got it. So while companies like Datadog, New Relic, Splunk, et cetera, all of those companies generate data and also provide a way of displaying the data, what you do is you collect, aggregate, and promote the data. Promote may not be a good word, but you collect, aggregate, and make available for use the data. Yeah, there's a new concept around what has been there for a couple of years, what is called data pipelines or telemetry pipelines, right? If you think that the backend as like the ocean, right, you have some way to move some water out to that ocean, right? And those are the telemetry pipelines. And and Caliptia, we focus on the fully integration with different type of sources. And when I say sources could be application logs, application metrics, system metrics, for example, firewalls, messages from security aspects that they need to be sent to a, a central place for analysis. Because as I said, the user wants to do data analysis. But this is a constant challenge. Every company is generating 20 to 30% more data every year. That's one fact. The other Garner just published that by 2026, in three years, at least 40% of the companies will have a solution, something like Calitia, in order to control collect, enrich, and transfer the data before sending the data to these specialized backends. And there are a couple of reasons for that, right? The challenges that arise when people start generating data with application is like volume. First of all, you lose control of the volume of the amount of data that you have. And your backend provider will tell you, hey, please send me all the data. I will take care of it. Yeah, but maybe you are analyzing 20% of that data by your paying for the 100%. This is the kind of the traditional approach for data processing. Send me everything and I will process it and give you the insights. Now, what we are proposing as Calitia, and it's a new trend in the market, is like, hey, move certain processing capabilities and certain type of analysis to the process that runs before the data gets ingested. And this is the data pipeline. So while you are collecting data from different sources or receiving this data from the network, you have the ability to say, I'm not interested on this data. I wanted to send it to Splunk, maybe for real-time analysis, or maybe just want to send a fraction and everything else to Amazon S3, which is a cheapest storage, right? But it's not for real-time data analysis. So all the users started a journey now that they don't think about just observability. They think, what is my strategy to accomplish a good and scalable observability in the future. And if you want to scale, 
in all areas possible, you need to take control, control and measure. And these are data pipelines and Calvite provides the best one in the market for that. Got it. So once again, companies like Datadog, et cetera, they generate data and rather than keeping the data internal, we pass it out into a generic pipeline and that's where you come in. And your purpose is essentially the filter, the aggregation, the determination of where the data should go and where it should go and how it should be processed, sending out to the back ends, which might be Splunks, it might be an S3 bucket for long-term storage, it might be some other mechanism. So you're aggregating the data, maybe may or may not be processing at some level, but you're definitely filtering, deciding which data goes where. Actually, we do processing. We can do processing in motion where the data is on flight. For example, one use case from one of our customers from the security space, they have tons of firewalls, and those firewalls chips tons of syslog messages. And they use Splunk to do real-time data analysis. But they found that from, I don't know, 200 messages, maybe five are useful for them. So they are not sending the 200 messages per hardware to Splunk. They are sending the only one that are relevant. And with Calitia, they are able to detect, oh, this is the information they really care about. So I'm just going to send this information to Splunk. Now, data sources could be a firewall, could be something that applications that you have in your own cloud, in your own VMs that are generating for logs, right? Logs are majority of use cases. Logs tells you what's the state of the application, what's happening inside the application, informational errors, warnings, and so on. It makes perfect sense. There's an open source offering that does this sort of data pipelines that I'm aware of called FluentBit. Now you're related to FluentBit. Do you want to tell everyone how you're connected with FluentBit? Yeah, FluentBit is my baby. <laughs> Creative FluentBit <laughs> like almost, I think that is you're seven years ago. You're the creator of FluentBit. Yeah, I created FluentBit. The first parent project is called FluentD. So FluentD was created by Sara. I created FluentBit. I was part of the FluentD team. So FluentBit and FluentD, both projects solve the problem of how to collect data from multiple sources, send it to multiple destinations, but also dealing with different formats, right? It's not the same syslog and an Apache log web server or Nginx, they're all different. But at the end of the day, you need certain processing capabilities in order to structure the data in a way that you can do an efficient analysis of that data, right? And FluentD and FluentBit allows you to do that. FluentBit has been a very successful project, has been around for almost seven years, as I said. And I think that one of the biggest traction in the market, the primary solutions to create data pipelines, is that those projects, when we work at a previous company called Treasure Data, we donated those projects to the CNCF. And I think that FluentD joined it and FluentBit like the fourth or fifth project to the CNCF. CNCF was pretty new. It was just Kubernetes, Prometheus. I think that OpenTracing or Jagged was, was there. So we, we are from the early days. This project is starting to get a lot of adoption and primarily because, hey, people is generating more data. I, I think it's one plus one, right? Every year people generate more data. So they need to analyze it. They need to move the data. And they found that relying on FluentD and now FluentBit was the best solution for that because they were scalable. They have a pluggable architecture. And I think that one of the most important points for big corporations it's like they're really vendor neutral. They are with the CNCF. It's not like, oh, I'm New Relic and I own this, or I'm Splunk or Datadog and I own this technology. And if tomorrow I change the rules of the game, I don't know, something could happen, right? And you might be in trouble. But by being a vendor agnostic place, 
this open the possibility for companies to trust and rely on this technology. And when I say companies, for example, today, Microsoft, Google, and Amazon runs Fluentbit at a very, very high scale in their infrastructures. And Fluentbit as an open source project growth a lot. It has all the integrations possible between sources, backend vendors. And after a couple of years, I decided with my, my co-founder today, Anurag, that hey, it's time to start the next chapter of the Fluent ecosystem. And this is Calyptia because Fluentbit got massively adopted in a few weeks, as we were talking before, it's we're going to approach $10 billion in total, which is insane. That's an amazing for, success it's amazing. for an open source product. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so the connection between Fluentbit and Calyptia, Calyptia is just the enterprise chapter of Fluent. You know, enterprise has other needs around security, performance, auto healing, or sometimes cloud native solutions, more integration around cloud native, scalability, secret management, and those type of things. So do you take FluentBit as a basis and add things like support and enterprise-grade capabilities on top of it? Or did you take FluentBit as a starting point and create a new product for the enterprise? Oh, it's totally new product. Actually, Calyptia, what we call Calyptia Core, is a full platform built on top of Fluentbit. So we're not selling a Fluentbit++. We're selling a whole platform that allows you to create data pipelines, not just for aggregation, but also remote pipelines. You can call it fleet management, where remotely you can create pipelines on nodes that can collect, process, and send the data directly to any place without the need for centralization of, or aggregation. So for example, if you have, I don't know, you have 100 VMs and you need to process all the information from those VMs collected, pre-process it, or maybe reduce information, you can deploy Calyptia Core and remotely use the core agent that is based on Fluentbit. And our platform through the simple UI allows you to create a data pipeline and say, this is how I want to collect the data. This is the logic that I want to process my data. and then send the results to one or multiple destinations. Now, if you do aggregation, have this concept of edge pipeline versus centralized pipeline or aggregation. In aggregation, a centralized pipeline is a very scalable way because it's not just one pipeline. So you can scale it up until hundreds if you want. It depends on the load of data that you want to receive. And maybe the next question is, hey, can you do maybe the same thing with Fluentbit? Yes, but might take you a couple of weeks and a couple of faults from your engineering team to manage and maintain this in a consistent way. While with the product, you can get up and running in 10 minutes. Now, you're also a SaaS application, right? You're, so people buy you as a service versus as a downloaded software product. Is that correct? I know there's an agent and everything, but forgetting yeah. that, the core of your product is a SaaS application? It's a hybrid mode. And let me explain you how. Our control plane lives in the cloud, in our cloud, and the control plane doesn't store any customer data, right? So what you do is you deploy core on your own instance, in your own data center, or your own computer, even laptop if you want. Core gets up and running. It connects to our cloud and, and registers itself and say, hey, I'm here. Now from the cloud, you can start creating the data pipelines that gets deployed in your own computer, your own environment. So the data never goes through our cloud. The data always flows in the way that you tell it to flow. So the data flows, the pipeline itself is all in the customer's premise or all 
uh, wherever they install yeah. the agents. And the management of it is what goes on in the cloud. Yes, but there's another version that we just shipped a couple of weeks ago. We have a couple of customers who runs in private cloud, right? Private cloud, you might think about finance and government, and they have a special needs around, hey, we cannot talk to the internet. And for them, we ship a version of Calypti Core that runs with all the components in their own environment, so they don't talk to our cloud. So you have these two type of deployment mechanism, hybrid in a shared cloud environment, but everything, all your data is on-prem, and the other side is fully BPC, virtual private cloud. Got it. Okay. So there is an installation process to getting the product working. How? What do you do to make that a smooth process for people? Oh, we just provide two commands, a shell script or a help command, and you're ready to go copy-paste. It takes two minutes to get installed. It depends on your network bandwidth, right? But just download, get up the artifacts and everything, and it's ready to go. And if you're in Kubernetes, you can get a better experience. Actually, as a, as a caveat, our solution is really interesting from for how do we look at, at the future of deployments for platforms that support different type of workloads. Our solution is fully based on Kubernetes. But even if you don't have Kubernetes running, you can deploy Core. Our installer will recognize, oh, you are not in Kubernetes. That's fine. I'm going to spin up a single classic Kubernetes for my own as a single process, and I'm going to start doing all the magic. And if you are in a real Kubernetes cluster, it's going to solve all the components and manage all the balancing networking for you automatically. Cool. Okay. So there's an on-premise component. There's a your backend component. So you do the management at your end, and but all the data plane is entirely within the customer premises. So there's no shared data that goes on. Okay. So that makes you very different from many observability companies like the New Relics and the Datadogs of the world were very much they're in control of the customer's data. Yeah, they are in control when they send the data to them. We provide the control for the users and send customers, but in their own environment. And at the end of the day, this is not quality versus the others. Actually, we found that our customers get a better experience with their own backend like New Relic or, or Splunk, because at the end of the day, they are sending, the data gets processed in a more efficient way with the right structure. The user doesn't need to wait until all the data gets ingested into the backend, get indexed to in order to do some processing or analysis, because you can do this in parallel, right? And in a distributed fashion while using Calypte Core technology. And there's a huge difference between waiting 30 minutes to process your data instead of doing in one second or less while the data is being collected in real time. Makes sense. So, you know, when I think about observability, and I, I know you want to talk about both observability and security, so let's focus on the observability side for a moment because I think that's the, the broader covering, at least in from this conversation. There's multiple different types of observability data that you can capture and that you can or can be sent through a pipeline like such as yours. And so when I think of observability data, I think of three major classifications of data. I think of event data, which includes like log files and things like that. They're things that have happened to your application. Here's a notice that it's happened and you log it, you do whatever you need with it. The other one is metrics. So these are point in time values. This is what New Relic and Datadog historically have been very good at. It's like, what's the CPU of the server? What's the uh, amount of free memory in the 
virtual memory stack and uh, in this part of the application, how much free memory do I have? How much have I used? You know, all those sorts of things are point in time values that are part of an observability story. And the third one is tracing, which is managing a request end to end request all the way through a potential multiple service application and all the way back and data from multiple sources, aggregating it together and sending it back to create that entire trace. So when I think of observability data, I think of those three separate things. Now, different companies, I think, specialize in different types of observability data. You know, the data dogs of the world really came from a metric background and have added tracing and logging and things like that. And you have companies like Splunk, which came from a logging space and added all these other ones in later. Few companies do them all well. Most companies do one or two of them well, but not all of them well. Do you focus on one or two or do you have capabilities and do you focus on helping in all three of those or do you focus on one or two of those categories? A great question. Actually, our platform supports logs, metrics, and traces. We, for example, we can collect, well, logs is our, what's been historically our major support, but for metrics, we can do, for example, Prometheus scraping and send those metrics as open telemetry metrics. We have all these conversion layers or receive open telemetry metrics and send them or export them as Prometheus exporter. So we can convert between different formats through different layers. We have uh, done that for a couple of years already in the open source where we are leveraging these features, right? From a product perspective with some simplification. Now you're right. You're saying observability cares about logs, metrics, and traces. And for example, security cares about data sources and destinations like a SIM, period. Now for metrics and traces, yeah, we support processing capabilities too. And now I agree with that, that everybody has been focusing on one or the other. But now we are seeing that in the market, everybody's trying to converge on that, hey, we need a solution that gives us the possibility to correlate all the data together. They realize that you need all three in order to have a full solution. I think that need versus ideal is case by case, right? There are companies that with logs are fine, but others just with metrics. But for example, in our case, we're finding uh, we are going to ship a new feature in our product that allow us to convert logs to metrics. Right. This is not, it doesn't exist everywhere. So for example, imagine that you're receiving a thousand logs, right? And you know the structure, you know the value that they have, but you don't care about the logs. You just want to know, for example, how many of them belongs to a certain category, how many of them have a specific value. For example, HTTP requests or, or so on. So it's more valuable for the user to have the ability to take those logs and write in the pipeline, be able to process them and ship a single metric that say, hey, this is a value. And then you can take some action. For example, alerting. Hey, are things going well? No, you set the threshold and you can you can do whatever you want with that. Uh, most of the backends provide you those type of features by processing the logs, but while after they have been ingested. I would say if I talk about what I see from all the perspective of logs, metrics, and traces, the journey to have a single platform for everything, I would say that we're still in an early stage in the market for that, but I'm glad to see that all vendors are jumping into that journey because everybody's coming up with really interesting approaches for data analysis, right? Now, the biggest problem is the volume of data for them. 
So I hear you as far as, you know, the aggregation between like converting logs to metrics and vice versa. And because metrics can be changed to events by triggers, right? That's essentially what a trigger is, is a notification of something happening. But, you know, one of the things I know that's always been a challenge, I know things are, are getting a lot better now with uh, many open source products, but at least in the early days of tracing, request correlation was one of the hard things to do. I know when New Relic first started working on tracing, I was still in New Relic at the time. That was always a hard thing to to figure out how to do, is how do you do the correlation successfully without adding huge complexity to your application, to your infrastructure. Is that sort of correlation something that like Calyptia can help with? In the way that we help, for example, with traces specifically, we can receive open telemetry payload, well, open telemetry standard for tracing as Prometheus for metrics, right? That's the industry standard. So we get the traces. The ability that we have is to reduce the content of the traces. Sometimes they are very noisy. They, the span has information that are, are not necessary or certain spans are not useful. Same in logs where you have a lot of noise, same thing happens with trace. Actually, trace is very, very noisy. So our capabilities is not around to do correlation. It's around data transformation on those pieces. And we let all the correlation to happen in your Relic or Datadog or any platform that the customer is using. Okay, so correlation from the standpoint of relating one piece of independent data to another piece of independent data and to find out the commonality between it and the interactions between them. You'd leave those to the new relics of the world. But when it comes to actually creating an entire trace and merging all the data that goes along with that and determining what parts of that trace are relevant and which parts are not, that's something that you can handle within the pipeline. Yes, what the user does, for example, is that they instrument their applications for example, with OpenTelemetry, and they said, oh, this is the endpoint to send my traces. And they use Calyptia Core. We receive the traces, and they create their own rules to say, I want to discard certain spans based on certain content. So those spans doesn't flow to the backend, right? But that's all the thing that we do for tracing. And the backend said, oh, I get all these spans. I will try to correlate it. Oh, this is a full trace from end to end. But now you have less data, right? You have something that it gets easier to process. This kind of reminds me of a quote I saw or that, that I wrote down that I saw on your website and I wanted to mention to you and I just see it in my notes here now. And that quote that I saw on your website was transform complexity into insights. And that caught my attention because IT complexity is a huge topic of mine and I've even written a book, an O'Reilly book specifically on that topic. And so I care a lot about complexity and I didn't really know how that applies to your product, but I think you're kind of explaining some of that now. These, not correlation, but aggregation is really part of that reducing complexity message that you were trying to get across with that statement, right? Yeah, and there are a lot of complexities in this space. For example, the moment that the users need to deal with different applications with different sources plus different formats, and they want to have a unified experience of data analysis, that is really, really complex. And the way that we solve this problem, we started this journey 10 years ago with Fluentd, right? Everything that we're building now is like building blocks on top of the experience where we want that instead of the user focusing on how to collect the data, 
how to transfer the data, how to send it, which is a very heavy task for many teams. And we see this in a day-to-day with all the sales calls of the PLC. Yeah, people struggle with this because you want to do data analysis, right? Nobody is waking up in the morning and saying, hey, I just want to manage my logs. No, it's not like that. They just want to struggle value from there. But manage logs, manage metrics and traces is a very complex and heavy task, even more while now the environments are growing, right? Growing meaning number of VMs and that's, you know, it's like a complexity around how hard it's for me to attack the problem in a very efficient way, right? And the only way to do it is divide and conquer, right? And we build this technology to simplify how to divide, how to conquer easily and level up the user in a way that they don't need to touch a Unix file anymore. They just can do a drag and drop, click a couple of buttons, and you get everything that you used to do in a couple of days in just minutes. And that's simplicity for us. And honestly, we pay a lot of attention in our user interface, how the user interact with it, uh, if we have any extra button that is not needed or extra action that will make things hard to understand, we don't want that, right? And most of our customers are really happy with the interface because it's very intuitive and they can accomplish and extract value right away without taking 10 hours of training. So I think that, yeah, so for us, reducing this complexity and we see that our customers are getting insights faster and are hitting their goal in a better way. We are very customer focused. That makes sense. And certainly that's one of the dimensions of complexity is the complexity of the user experience. That makes perfect sense. But I also sense another complexity offering in your mixes there as well there too. One of the things I talk about in the book is I talk about, you know, there's a trade-off between depth of data and complexity. The more data you get, the more analysis you can do, the more complex the system is. The less complex it is, there's a correlation there. To keep a system simple often means losing analytics, means losing visibility into how it works. That's the way you make a system simpler. If you want more visibility and more noticing of what's going on within the system, that typically means a more complex system. So one of the things, you know, observability in general, the idea of opening up a system so you can see more of what's going on inside is by its very nature an increase in complexity. But in some cases, huge increase in complexity, you know, using a large scale application, using fullest capabilities of like a data dog or a new relic could be very complex just to even wrap your mind around what else going on. But what's valuable is finding a sweet spot, right? Adjusting things, finding a sweet spot between how much data you want, how much observability you need into your system and the level of complexity that goes with that. So I see a product like yours is something that's able to fine tune that adjustment, if you will, change the amount of observability data and therefore change the complexity as kind of a a feature of what you do is users can change that. And, you know, I want to send this level of detail to this application, you know, I'll store all the nitty gritty detail in S3 for later analysis if necessary, but real time, I just need this high level summary and, and for alerting, I need a high level summary, et cetera, et cetera those sorts of things, you're essentially making decisions on trading off 
detail for complexity is what you're doing. And do you see it that way or am I missing something in that analysis? Yeah, there's an interesting piece in your analysis where you said what the user wants and what the user needs. What we've seen in a daily work is that we know that they want to analyze the data, but when it's about the what, most of users doesn't have an idea how much information they have. That's a reality. Unless you start doing some inventory or control, okay, how much data I have? We have one customer that they had a lot of built-in house tools to collect the data from their applications, and they thought that they were processing a couple of terabytes per day. So we changed the logic, we implemented the product, and now they get surprised because, hey, now we're collecting more data than we used to before. Yeah, you were losing data. You didn't know that you have more data before. This is what you have. This is for real. And now when they get into this discovery process, like, hey, I take control. I understand what I have. Now I can take some decisions on what I need, right? So the need that you have before taking control might not be the need after you put some tool in place and start analyzing, hey, this is all what I have. Because the moment that you decide to implement a telemetry pipeline solution could be for security or for observability, you get more control, you are able to process and gather more data, and you have a more holistic view right, of what you really have in your environment. And you're always against time because you know that months over months, your data is growing. The amount of data per minute is more than the last month. Right, So if you don't stop and you train yourself and put a solution, it will be hard. So everybody has an idea until they get the punch in the face, right? There's something like that. And I think that in, in, in this space happened the hey, same. We have more data than we think we have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, the other more data doesn't correlate with value. That's the biggest problem. Right. The more data you have, it's hard to find the value. So you have to clean it up. You have to make sure that, oh, this That's data is the not complexity relevant. the argument is. Yeah. If it's too complex, a complex system can't be analyzed easily. And so if you have so much data that it, it makes your system so complex that you don't know what the data is, it's not useful to you anymore. Yeah. And, you know, you might be surprised how much money companies and users pay to store all this data that, oh, I need to store it because maybe I need it. Right. But if you go one step forward and put some control, some solution before that, you might be in a better shape for what's coming from a data grow, data volume perspective in the future. But yeah, there's a lot of story from different users, but it's interesting. It's an interesting problem. The same problem that we used to have 10 years ago, we have it again with volume. It's hard to extract the stuff. But I think the world cannot rely on working that used to be working from a couple of years ago. I think that everything is shifting more to the left, where the left is where the data is being collected, where data is being processed. And there's a ton of value in that. Yeah, and I'm happy to see that. Yeah, besides Kalita, there are more emerging companies also trying to hit this space with their own approach. There definitely is, yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's like what you were saying too about you know, the wasted data. I don't think there's any more expensive five words in the English language than maybe I might need it. (laughs) (laughs) Those five words, I think, cost a lot of people a lot of money often. And so, you know, I agree with you. When I worked in New Relic, I used to say that most applications have significantly more analytics data than they do business data. 
And that always shocked people. And I always thought afterwards, it was like saying, you don't realize it's in some cases, it's even an order of magnitude more analytics data than they do business data. It's huge quantities of data that you're collecting. You may not even know about it. And it's just what you do with it all is a complexity, you know, and it's obviously New Relic has their solutions for doing it, et cetera. But when I was working there, but the point being, people were always shocked to hear that most companies have more analytics data than business data. And it's a significant difference. Yeah. And I see that most people discover this by practice, even after a couple of years. I think it's an interesting journey. It is interesting challenge every day around data. Getting the data, getting the insight, it's really hard. But everything in the app is to the companies to decide, are they going to take a strategy to fight that back or not? And if they are not, yeah, we will have to do it in the future at some point. But there's a lot of... That makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting journeys around inobservability, operations, you know, and security. I know we're running short on your time, and I appreciate your hard stop coming up here, but we haven't yet talked about security. So I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit about security. Now, I was going to talk to you about the difference between Seam and SOAR, because I know you play a little bit in both places, but you're primarily a Seam offering. Is that correct? Now, just for everyone who's who's listening, and if you're not familiar with those terms, Seam is, let's see, security, information, and event management. It's the events that happen that can cause your business harm from a security standpoint. While SOAR is security, orchestration, automation, in response, I guess, is the R. But, and that's more about the systems that you build up that manage the security of your applications and what the processes are for doing that. So SOAR is more of a preventive and SEAM is more of a notice and detection. Do you consider yourself more of a SEAM company or more of a SOAR company? Or do you kind of play in both? Oh, as the beginning, we're both. We play both. The thing is, is the following. We have our base product, that has two ways to be consumed for security and operations and for observability. For example, if I, I can do a comparison between one of the other, for example, in security, you care about security sources like firewall, security messages that you should to send to a SIM. If you are in the observability space, maybe you are a DevOps person or SRE that you just care about logs, metrics, and traces. Right? You just care about that, analyze that, and that's it. In the other side, for example, in security, you care about parsers for firewalls, Windows logs for matting, processing, everything that's around processing to save costs on your SIM. While in observability, you care about data enrichment, metadata, removing traces, debug logs, which are, you might say, oh, this is kind of similar. Yeah, but at different personas, totally different. For example, in security, the buyer is a CISO right? The chief of security. While in observability is usually the VP of engineering, or now there's VP of observability as a new title. And the problems is like, for example, in security, if you want to ask, am a security observability? In security, people say the major problem is like, oh, I cannot connect my data sources. I cannot extract this information from this application because this is relevant because it could be a security threat or if I'm being hacked, that information is there and I'm not be aware of that, right? It's really intensive about connectivity or integrating different systems. Well, 
in observability, if I cannot connect my data, the problem is different. I cannot serve my end customers. I may not have my high available services or so on. So the spectrum of problems and personas are totally different. But yeah, data is data, right? The way that you consume it in the way that you want to extract value might be different based on your own needs. So from a security standpoint, the data both. Is, is different, but the, the data is still the same. Yeah, well, data is data, just a row of bytes. <laughs> so real quickly before we stop, you list a ton of integrations on your website. Do you want to mention some that you think are the most important for your customers or the most critical ones? Oof. Obviously, open telemetry. And, but which ones are the ones that the people listening are going to be more likely to be interested in? Yeah, for example, I would say the common one is Amazon S3, which is a very cheap object storage that is common across majority of our customers. They use it. Well, at least if they are not in the BPC and they don't have access to that, they might not use it. The other are uh, Splunk, very highly used. Most of our customers use Splunk. They're mid-sized company and big-sized companies. HTTP, to receive events over HTTP and send over HTTP. Now, open telemetry, yeah, just for tracing, but I would say it's not that hot as logs in our case. I think majority of use cases that we're solving today are around logs and metrics, few ones with traces. So still things like syslog integration is more important than open telemetry in most cases. Yeah, the thing is that you have to solve the problems for the problems that you have today, not for the problems that you're going to have in the future. Now, there are a lot of companies migrating to open telemetry to use to do logging with OpenTelemetry and do metrics with OpenTelemetry besides traces. Trace is kind of a standard, right? But the industry is still running. We are very honest. To move a logs is fluent. To move and process metrics is Prometheus. And traces is OpenTelemetry, right? This might change. And I think that the change is happening. It might take a couple of years. But still, you have thousands and thousands of machines you know, running syslog or firewall sending messages on syslog. You have to connect those devices, right? And now what we see that companies works in hybrid mode, they have their old system, but also they use the cloud. So they want to leverage and be able to collect data from every single source of information. If you have, well, as I said, firewalls a couple of times already, or devices, application logs, or even if you're running an instance on AWS, you might want to extract application information logs and enrich them with metadata like, oh, this was running on AWS server with this label or with this tag. So then you can correlate information based on the type of environment where this was running before. So yeah, it's a bit of everything. Anybody who's just trying to say we're going to standardize on this protocol and our solution is just for this protocol. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe you're looking for customers in five years. But today, everything is about syslog, HTTP, you know, Splunk, even Elastic is, is used a lot too. So there's a mix of everything. Great. Well, thank you very much. So my guest today has been Eduardo Silva, who is the founder and CEO of Cliptia. Calypsia. Calypsia, right? Calyptia, Calyptia. <laughs> Calyptia. Okay. okay. Let, let me tell you why. If I can tell you why, because the original word is called Calypte. Calypte right? T-H-E. Okay. And Calypte is a genus of hummingbirds. You know, that okay. the fluent bed logo is a hummingbird. 
So calypte is a a genus of hummingbirds. But the way you might pronounce calypte in Spanish sounds calyptia. That's why we choose Ah, calyptia. Yeah. Makes sense. So calyptia. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Anyway, Klepti is a company that helps you manage your observability and your security data. And once again, this is Eduardo Silva, who's the founder and CEO. Eduardo, thank you so much for joining me today on Software Engineering Daily. Noli, I appreciate the invitation. I would be happy to have another conversation anytime soon. Thanks again. 